0: hey everyone welcome to the 14th episode of the dcl dude podcast Three explorers set sail to the scattered islands of the Bahamas in search of fame and fortune. They brought along their families and a diverse crew. Through mild mishap and extreme good fortune, they located the objects of their desire, sunken treasures and the secret of youth. Though cast away on this island, they had no desire to leave due to the breathtaking beauty of this tropical paradise. Visitors to the island can still see the original structures built by the explorers and take part in many of the same pleasures our castaways enjoyed years ago. Disney Cruise Line welcomes you to the island paradise of your dreams, Castaway Key. Does this sound familiar? Well, this is the backstory of Castaway Key, which was created by by Disney Imagineers, which is actually memorialized on a sign uh, along the pathway soon after you disembark at the island. I, I stumbled upon an old picture I had taken of this sign from years ago and it it had me thinking about what was the real backstory of the island not, not that I didn't trust the Disney Imagineers version but uh, I wondered what the what the island was used for um, or, or what its history was prior to being the tropical paradise it is now turns out it has a very interesting backstory complete with pirates and smugglers and adventure it sounds kind of like plot lines maybe an unnamed entertainment company with a, a successful film studio could conceivably craft into a movie doesn't it prior to Disney's takeover the island in the mid to late 90s um, the island was actually called gorda key and a key refers to a small low elevation sandy island on the surface of a coral reef gorda key had several unique um, unique features, but most notably was that it sat behind an exposed reef rather than on top of it. The word gorda comes from the Spanish term meaning fat or round, and if you, you looked at a map, the majority of the, the Bahamian island keys are actually long and narrow, which is caused by the Caribbean ocean currents um, and the rock reef structure that that, um, that they're formed from. However, Gorda Key does not look look like the other keys. Again, if you look at the map, the Gorda Key is is significantly rounder, uh, hence the name. The earliest stories about the island date back to around the 1700s, where it's rumored that pirates used to frequent the island uh, due to its proximity to a popular trade route, which was used at the time, in the 1950s, a few items were discovered off the shores of the quay by two treasure hunters from Nassau. The, island, the, uh, excuse me, the items, which had markings indicating that they belonged to Spain's King Philip IV, lent credibility to these stories uh, of pirate activity in the area. The treasures seemingly came from the San Pedro, which was a Spanish ship um, hauling treasure back to Spain that was sunk in the early 1700s. Additionally, the island's numerous hidden alcoves would have provided a great opportunity for pirates to anchor uh, and to hide in waiting for passing merchant ships. And as a result, it's definitely conceivable that that, uh, many notorious pirates who who were known to have sailed those waters in those days, like the infamous Blackbeard, may have actually landed on the shores of the island. So um, none of this actually has ever been confirmed with absolute certainty, but the rumors... (laughs) the rumors and the stories definitely are interesting, so um, I think it's pretty cool. More recently, farmers from nearby Abaco, which is part of the uh, Bahamian mainland located about seven or eight miles to the north, would come to the island during parts of the year to to grow food. Because of its unique features, the soil on the island was very fertile and was perfect for growing food. Uh, the farmer's would lease land on the island from the from the Bahamian government and lived in a tiny village built along the beach on the southern side of the quay it was also used during this time as a safe haven for stranded fishermen uh, who were caught in bad weather they could pull up on the shores and, and wait for the wait for the storms to pass in the 1960s is when things started to go uh, uh, a little differently. There was a businessman named Alvin Tucker who flew to the island with a real estate agent from Nassau. Tucker was passionate about investing in tropical real estate um, in the Caribbean and he had a bunch of other properties that he purchased in the area. And Gordakee was among the first of his many purchases in the Bahamas. Uh, it's said that he asked to circle the island a few times and, and actually purchased 150 acres of the island before the plane even touched down back in nassau at the time the the only way to get to the island was by boat so tucker's plan was to clear land to put in a small airstrip to more easily um, to more easily accommodate his visits to the island so he's the one that's responsible for the runway that still exists on the island today just as a side note that the airstrip technically is still listed as active but the runway is no longer used by planes it it serves right now just as a a bike and and a tram path to for guests to get to serenity bay but um, at one time it it was used for um, uh, for plane activity and and i'll get into that in a, a little bit in a second not long after the airstrip was built the island was discovered by criminals who thought the airstrip made a a really convenient and a and really appealing stop on their drug smuggling smuggling expeditions tucker who was the owner of the land had heard rumors of the the nefarious activity and tried to put a stop to it but he was unsuccessful and really as time went on the the criminals slowly claimed more and more of the land and tucker eventually sold his claim to a private buyer out of fear for his own safety by this time the island was pretty notorious for for criminal activity and was and uh it was reported that other owners were being chased from the island by men with large guns and large dogs residents on nearby islands claimed to have seen up to six planes per day land on the island so a lot was a lot was going on during that time It was later revealed that frank barber who was an american living in florida was the man behind the private company that purchased the land from alvin tucker barber himself had secretly been using the the airstrip for for many years to smuggle narcotics into florida once the island became largely his own after the purchase he he began to operate his own little drug smuggling empire and Aside from his own illegal activities, uh, he would actually rent out the airship to other smugglers looking to bring their goods into the country. The story goes that in 1983 there was a bust on the island involving $100 million worth of cocaine. A few days later, Barber was arrested in connection with the bus and, and was eventually sentenced to five years in prison, which seems pretty light if you ask me. It was believed that somehow Barber was still able to run the operation from prison, but when he died before the end of his prison term, the, uh, the illegal activity on the island quickly faded away. Interestingly enough, and unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to find any news articles to corroborate this part of the story. It, it definitely wasn't due to lack of effort. It, it seemed to me that a story like this would have generated some sort of media publicity, but I wasn't able to to find anything substantial. I looked in newspaper articles and um, publications and tried to tried to find something that talked about um, this arrest, but I, I really didn't I really didn't find a whole lot. Um, but for the, the purpose of this episode and the purpose of this story, I'm just gonna go with it because it's it's pretty compelling. So fast forward now to 1997. Disney purchased a 99-year land lease for the key from the Bahamian government. So no, Disney does not own the island, but the agreement gives Disney pretty substantial control over the development and therefore the guest experience on the island. Over the next 18 months or so, Disney was Hard at work developing the island into what we now know as as Castaway Key, tens of thousands of truckloads of sand were dredged up from the ocean floor to expand the beaches that were that um, into into those that we know and love these days, and. In staying true to the name of the island, the goal was to create a castaway themed paradise, which meant that the buildings on the island were, were designed to appear as if they had been patched together from timbers following a shipwreck, and you can kinda you can kinda see that as you walk around um, on Castaway Key. Disney also planted a wide variety of, of geospecific flora to make the landscape more appealing. So um, they did a lot of work with the with the, the visual aspect of the island. And then, of course, to create the mooring for the ships, workers dredged sand and used explosives to, to blast coral to form a 1,700-foot channel, about 35 feet deep um, and ranged from 200 to 400 feet wide. The pier was constructed to allow the Disney ships to dock right up alongside, which removed the need for passengers to to be tendered ashore. So this is important because. Castaway Key actually was the first private island in the cruise industry with this benefit um was the first one where you you didn't have to to to, to tender to the island. The initial development of the island was estimated to have cost about 25 million and and which is interesting cuz only about 55 of the 1000 acre island were developed for use and you can definitely see that um, when you're when you're visiting Castaway Key there's a lot of um, a lot of the area under undeveloped Castaway Key saw its first visitors in July of 1998 when the Disney Magic made her first call on the private island paradise. And then later, when the Dream and the Fantasy were introduced to the fleet beginning in 2011, the island again had to go, uh, excuse me, had to undergo some development to be able to accommodate the larger ships and the additional passengers that they would bring. So um, the dock had to be lengthened, the family beach was expanded. Uh, and additional food areas and other amenities had to be added so um, today now the four ships bring tens of thousands of visitors to the island every year at any given time the island is home to anywhere from 60 to 100 full-time castaways depending on the season these castaways live on the island for periods of four to nine months and are the ones who take care of and prepare the island so that it's perfect for for every new arrival into um, into the island these castaways consist of guest service members horticulturists landscapers engineers and several other uh, several other critical functions Um, there's a a living area complete with all the basic necessities for living the the castaway life which you can't really see when you're when you're visiting the island because disney did a um, a great job and really went to a lot of lengths to make sure that that uh, was kind of hidden. And local vendors from nearby islands also visit the island to, um, to sell local handmade merchandise and, and a lot of the, the vendors like the jet, like the jet skis are, are local uh, Bahamian vendors. The island itself also serves as a testament to Disney's commitment to helping the environment and ensuring the sustainability of the natural reef. Researchers actually found that native long-spined sea urchins are vital to the health of the coral reefs because they help control harmful algae levels that choke out native corals. Um, and so as a result, a, a special research project at Castaway Key is, is transplanting these sea urchins and fostering their growth, um, again, to help sustain the, the, the natural coral reefs. Solar panels are also used on the island to fuel heaters. Uh, for bathing, for washing dishes, and doing laundry for the castaways living on the island. Um, the island also makes much of its own fuel by, by repurposing used cooking oil from the ship's kitchens. And combining it with diesel fuel to power certain machinery on the island. So, so that's pretty cool. It's, it's an anticipated that this saves approximately 8,000 gallons um, of traditional fuel each year. Which reduces... Greatly the carbon dioxide emissions um, in the process. So with with three new ships uh, on the horizon scheduled to um, to visit or to to join the fleet, it, it'll be pretty. It'll be very interesting to see what this will mean for Castaway Key. There's certainly plenty of room for expansion on the island, but I'm I'm personally hoping that uh, significant expansion on Castaway Key is not. Is not something that's in Disney's plans. There were previous rumors of Disney exploring the, the possibility of a second private island, but it seems the the particular island they were investigating has been has been dismissed as a possibility. And who knows if they're still looking? I imagine that if they um, were were pretty serious about looking before, that they're they're probably still um, still trying to figure something out there. So the Disney backstory I mentioned uh, at the beginning is just an abbreviated version of the whole story that was dreamed up by Disney Imagineers. But it's obviously, <laughs> as, as you heard, a pretty far cry from the true origins of the island. I, I find the real story to be pretty fascinating just because it's so far removed from, from the tropical paradise that we know and love today. And to quote the ending of, of Disney's story, the, the ending of the full story... Castaway Key was, and still is, a place to visit, relax, and let the troubles of the outside world disappear. It's a place that several generations of Castaways have enjoyed and still call their home. It's a place that doesn't hide treasure, but is the treasure itself. And that is the secret of Castaway Key. So before I close, <laughs> I just I just want to mention that... that my family will be heading out this week um, on an Eastern Caribbean cruise, so I'm hoping to to give a lot of live updates uh, during my trip via Twitter. So if you wanna if you wanna follow along for the week, check me out on Twitter at the DCL dude. <laughs> I'm making I'm making no promises about how well I'll do. I've never actually um, attempted to sort of um, you know keep up with with uh, with my trip via Twitter while I'm actually on the trip but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do that so hopefully uh, that'll be interesting and fun for you to follow along Um, but I'm definitely gonna uh, try to do that so and of course I'll I'll plan on doing a, a more detailed trip report at some point once once we return and beyond that I have a I have a couple of good show topics coming up um, but I'd, I'd love to hear from you is there is there anything specific you'd like me to discuss on an episode or any specific topic you'd like to hear uh, hear more about if so feel free to, to drop me a line on Twitter or, or send me a message on Facebook so um, I hope that you enjoyed this episode that you find it interesting to hear the the origins of of castaway key hopefully it doesn't uh paint castaway key in a negative light for you it it certainly doesn't for me i think it's it's pretty cool to have uh to know the real story of the island and and to see what it has become now because it really is probably my favorite uh disney cruise line destination so um, i hope you enjoyed this episode and as always thanks so much for listening As a reminder, you can connect with the show by following along on Twitter at the TheDCLDude or by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. Please feel free to ask a question or leave a comment or share the podcast with your followers. I'd also be very grateful if you could rate the podcast on iTunes uh, and leave me some feedback. And of course, if there's anything I can do to improve your listening experience, please let me know.